This is The Lore Check. Hello and thank you for joining us for episode 12 of The Lore Check. I'm your host, Brandon Michael Terry, and with me as always is my co-host, Devin. They'll never know my secrets. Void. I'm very meticulous about keeping my secrets where I want them. That's why I wear uh, white lace gloves and only use magnifying glasses when I need to look at something. Hmm, that's nice. Uh, any secrets you want to tell us, though, just just to start us off? Oh, yeah, I got I got a bunch of them. Any particular one you want to tell the audience? You're going to have to block this one out. For national security reasons, I cannot let you hear what Devin is saying at this point. Sorry. Really? <laughs> really, that's how it happened? Yeah, yeah, truthfully. Huh. And we also have a guest with us today, our friend Talor Prichard. Is that how you pronounce it? Yep, that's exactly right. Cool. Well, welcome today. Thank you. Yeah. We'll get right back to you. Devin, why don't you tell the audience what we're going to talk about today? So today we're going to be talking about secrets, and by that I mean we're going to be exploring detective stories. Mm. You've all played Clue, you've all played those mystery games, you've all played Mafia or whatever. So you kind of may hopefully have an idea of what we're going to get into, but we're going to try and focus more on an RPG-style narrative. Yep, absolutely. Detectives are a huge thing, uh, TV shows, movies, and there are a lot of cool games out there that are kind of pushing more detective style. Most of the Cthulhu games include some of detective-based stories. So what we're going to do is we'll first introduce our guest, Taylor, to you, give a couple questions for him, and then we're going to jump into the topic. You mispronounced my name again. Uh, it happens. Sorry to lord. So, Taylor, starting to ask some questions to get to know you, which fictional detective do you think you associate the most with? Uh, you connect the most with. Well, I want I want it to be I want it to be Holmes and Watson because those are like my favorites. But but be honest, I've got to be honest with myself and with the with the general public. Yes, please be honest with everybody. Uh, it's it's probably Wheels and the Leg Man from American Dad. <laughs> okay, why is it Wheels and the Leg Man? Which one are you particularly? I would probably be we- uh, wait. Uh, yeah, Wheels on this one. Okay, probably because. Uh, I, I sacrifice true detective work uh, for humor mm-hmm. and for a well-placed one. <laughs> I appreciate that, Taylor. Thank you for the honesty. Devin, do you think is there any particular detective you associate with the most? Uh, while I'd like to lean towards uh, Nicholas Valentine from Fallout 4, I probably okay. associate more uh, with Detective Baby Legs from Rick and Morty. <laughs> wow, man, you guys have some weird detectives you associate with. I see you with the Baby Legs, man. Why, why is that, Devin? Uh, you know, I just, I, I think that I can, uh, do it all on my own. I don't realize that I do need a buddy cop to, uh, balance out my baby legs. Uh, for myself, I probably, like, the only one who's making someone real one is Columbo. And the reason mm. being is, it was said about Columbo, he looks like a drowning victim. That's how I've always thought about myself. You know, disheveled, not sure what's going on, and then somehow at the end I kind of pull stuff together to solve the day. I always thought he looked like someone who got choked so hard that one of his eyes went lazy. Also me. So yeah, it works. So if you could be any kind of detective, say you're not just trying to pretend to be another detective, you are a detective, what kind of detective would you be? Would you be homicide, vice, organized crime? What kind of crime would you like to investigate? Devin, any particular kind you like? You named a lot of good ones, but yep. there's one you didn't name that I think I would be more inclined towards, and that would be a more Ace Ventura style. I think I'd be a pet detective. <laughs> I think I would be a pet detective. Uh, not only would I be finding the Miami Dolphins dolphin, but you know the guys from Home Alone, they kidnap the dogs and then they return them for money. You know that little... That's from Home Alone, right? I don't think so. I don't think that's the Home Alone is that. I all think, well, you know the stereotypical crime That's the one when they duo. try to kill a child. On yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty familiar now. Uh, the stereotypical crime zero where one steals the dogs and then the other one returns them for the reward money. Yeah, was that Dumb and Dumber? That's Dumb and Dumber, I think. That was Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, that's Dumb and Dumber. Okay. Yeah, I would be uh, the detective who would stop people like them. Your entire job is stopping that <laughs> very particular con. 
Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, you know, maybe picking up a flyer here and there and finding, you know, <laughs> Mr. Mittens or something. Wow. I like that, Devin. You, you think you can find a niche market and you run with it. Yeah, I, I probably don't have much competition there. Well, let's imagine that instead of just being your own individual detective, you're on a team, like the classic Scooby-Doo team. Mm. What do you bring to the table, Taylor? I've always got a cold one. You've always got a cold one, like snorty remark or like a ice cream cone? Sure. Like, I don't get this. What, <laughs> I, think, I think he was referring to um, the beer. The beer. Ah. I was trying to see. Wait, so I was trying to figure out whether or not this is a PG-13 podcast or whether or not we're, we're sticking with the solid G. PG-13 is fine, I guess. I mean, you talk about beer, that's okay. All right, did I just bump this up a rating by breaking the fourth wall? No, that's, that's also fine. All right. Listeners don't know about this. No, but I'm just always the one who's a... No, I'm always the one who's ignoring uh, what's actually happening so I can make a joke at someone's expense. Okay. That's a very important thing to make sure that people get through this horrifying experience. <laughs> Devin, what would you bring to the table to a nice uh, crime-solving team? Uh, well, given that... I mean, I, I wouldn't be the nerdy one or the pretty one. Um, I probably wouldn't be the happy-go-lucky, charismatic leader of it, mm. nor would I be the one with a lot of pot uh, to always smoke. So I would probably have to dress up in a dog costume and be their talking dog. <laughs> you should be talking. Even it's not a Scooby-Doo team, you just you dress up in a dog suit. Here I am, everybody, well, ready to solve crime. Like, do you talk like a dog, or do you just like, yeah? Like, like I, would, I would have to, start with R. Yeah, I would. I would have to kind of embrace the uh, now. Scrappy Doo had had very good um, rhetoric. Yeah, I don't know who taught him to talk that well. Uh, apparently, not Scooby. Mm-hmm. Scooby was always kind of more like a row. That's true. They did kind of skip that whole bit of logic thing. Mm-hmm. Like how Scrappy got the better education. True, true. But I, I, I always kind of like. I was kind of like Shaggy's whole dilemma. Who likes Scoob? Do you like your Shaggy voice, Devin? I do like it. <laughs> okay, so Taylor, is there anything else you want to tell the audience about yourself? Introduce them? No? That's enough about you? Okay, well, Taylor will remain a mystery for you all today. And speaking of mysteries, let's just go ahead and jump right into our topic. We're on detective stories. What are detective stories? Devin, kick us off with how would you define a detective story? A detective story is something with which uh, you follow typically one person, sometimes two. Occasionally, you have a group. Um, who are attempting to, you know, catch the capers. They're trying to unmask the villain. They're trying to, to really, at the end of the day, put the pieces of a puzzle together in order to figure out not only who did it, but what specifically they did, how they did it, and more importantly, the motive as mm-hmm. to why they did it. Okay. So, Taylor, what do you think comprises the detective, detective story? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's absolutely just, uh, just making light of everything. Making light of crime. Uh, having a good time with your bros. Uh, it's really having a good time out there on the force, you know? You gotta, whatever, whatever you gotta, whatever you gotta do to have a good time. If that means you gotta let the bad guy go, then so be it. I mean, you can't, can't sacrifice your buzz for, for, uh, for a little social justice. It just makes me think of like a, a frat house, like Alpha Sigma Gamma. Just like going out and getting real drunk in there, like. Going to solve a homicide. That would be a really interesting story. How I kind of level out what a good, what a detective story is, is making it a little bit different than mystery. Because lots of different stories have mystery elements to it. I mean, most games and all that stuff are mystery stories that someone who's doing what's going on. A detective story is about the detective themselves. Nowadays, it's usually a crime-fighting duo. Um, you have things like Sykes out there now, Sherlock Holmes. You have even... Uh, there's Elementary. Elementary, yep. You have, which is Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> but different. You have all these different things. And it's usually a duo, but it's about that detective solving crime. It's not about necessarily the crime itself. It's about their logical process of piecing together. How did this happen? And it kind of explores their character, their thinking process. At the end of the show, you have the same big reveal of, wow, this is how it happened. And I think that's what kind of brings the detective shows. It's about the characters solving. And I think the same with games. Detective games are about your characters 
as detective characters and what they do to solve the crime. But they always got to get stumped, right? Like, there's yeah. always got to be that one thing they can't figure out, and it doesn't make sense until near the very end. Yeah, until they make that final line, Columbo had the, oh yeah, one more thing. Or Sean, from Psych, usually accuses the wrong person in every episode at least once. <laughs> until he finally accuses the right person. He's actually batting about a 50%. But all that to show, like, we can't really care if they're perfect. We just want to see, think their logic process. And so that kind of breaks down what it is to be a detective story. Let's move it to why do we find it interesting? Why do people love detective stories, Taylor? I'd say probably because uh, it is it's solving an unknown, and typically mm-hmm. most people do not are not able to think like prominent detectives, or at least the ones that mm-hmm. are portrayed yeah. in pop culture. Yeah, and so to see these people like show such like intelligent prowess and just like solve these mysteries is like it's just kind of a roller coaster to watch. Yeah, I agree, Taylor or Devin. Taylor just spoke. Devin, you're up. Yep. My new name is now Taylor. Um, I think that it's, um, I think that it has a lot to do with the motivation behind, mm-hmm. uh, what drives them. Cause there, as you said earlier, there's something like the detective is the main person in the story. Mm-hmm. So what is it that drives them to go mm-hmm. above and beyond what's necessary in order to, you know, solve the riddle and to crack the case? Yes. I think, uh, Batman's a detective too. He is the world's greatest detective. Yeah. I, I just remember he that. He said it himself. And if someone says it about themselves, then you know it's true. I just think of the, these detectives, their motivations, their thought processes. Who would you say was the first ever, like, detective story? writer, like modern detective novel. Who do you think kind of started that genre? You guys have any guesses? Can you give us a hint? Yeah. You've read this person's works? Probably not the work that was his most famous for detective stuff. Uh, Leo Tolstoy. Close, but no. Mm. Charles Spurgeon. <laughs> They're, you know, speak the same language at least this time. It's actually a Poe. Edgar Allan Poe has oh. a series called the, uh... I knew that. Duke the King. Raven? Yeah. No, yeah. yeah the, the Raven King? The Raven King. <laughs> yeah, no. But he actually has a famous detective that actually has a lot of the themes that started... And Sherlock Holmes stuff, like the partner, yeah. story being told from the partner perspective, over-the-top, socially inept detective, all kind of start with Poe, as mm-hmm. weird as that is to think about. But what I do think, like, getting back to Taylor's point with the <laughs> putting together the puzzle, people like to be fooled for a bit. They like to kind of put stuff together and feel a little bit stupid. I also find it frustrating people tell you, oh, I figured out who did it in the first five minutes of the episode. Well, of course you did. It's TV. Yeah. They've revealed to you who the people are. So you have a small amount of guessing. Yeah. It's not real detective. And it's not about... Who did it? About why they did it. Why they did it. And also, can you prove it? Mm. Like, if you need to guess who did it, could you prove that person did this crime? Which, in, in that case, you do have to seek out a motive, and then that yeah. delves yeah. even deeper into mm-hmm. the, the moral question of why they chose to do it, their their human psyche. Yeah, I, I think that's a great point. I do think murder stories and just text stories delve into what turns normal, everyday people into killers. Because I don't know about you, Devin, or me, maybe not even Taylor, mm. but I don't just sit around all the time thinking about how to kill people. On a good day, at least, I don't think about that. Oh, yeah, no, 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 not not at all. No, me neither. Mm-mm. Well, I'm not too proud. I mean, what do y'all do all day, then? <laughs> I I think about role-playing games. I've got about 20 gigabytes of RAM up here, and about 18 of it is consistently dedicated to who and why I would kill them. Huh. Well, I'm glad we can help you out and bring you into our show, Taylor, and be your friend. Do y'all have any suggestions? Well, like, I if I, started, ask, if yeah. I have a list of names and some rough schedules of where they're going to be at what time, like, y'all have some ideas. Not on not on recording, we don't. Oh, okay. Don't want that to be put on the internet. Can Alright, well, whenever we're done with this, I just I got a few questions. Yep, absolutely. I'll, I'll give you some suggestions on how to keep you by for the episode. That's great. Get, Devin, you want to say something? Well, I, I was just going to ask him if if Taylor wouldn't mind, like, taking a minute or so to just walk us through, without naming a name, mm-hmm. Yeah. you know, how he would... Do, you know, if you had to write a book, like, you know, if I did it, this is how I would have done it. Yeah. What oh. would be your story? Oh, well, I'm so glad you asked. How I so, killed Devin. Yeah, okay, yeah, so for the, for the sake of this story, let's just say that Devin 
Yeah. Is, uh, Devin is a, a normal, a normal child mostly, I think. It's got way darker on the side. <laughs> I, I did just turn 12. I'm very happy to. It's got, well, he was a normal child. Now he's a relatively normal man. Okay. That's fine. He's, so, so without naming too much, I work at a random, I work at a random, let's say I work at a coffee shop. Let's, let's say that. Let's say yeah. I work at a coffee shop. And so I would use my coffee shop as a front to get to know people mm-hmm. and then uh, use that as an opportunity. I would probably put something in their coffee at a mm-hmm. slow point of the day. Okay. Um, would then drag their body to the back of the store or I'd wait until the end of the day was done. Um, mm-hmm. And then after that, um, I know uh, I have a pretty, yeah, there's a pretty secure route. I could take it back to my car where I could take it over to the coffee roaster where we get our stuff from. Put the body in the roaster and basically turn it into just like, and like kind of an ash, and I'd probably mix it 50-50 with our with our, our coffee beans for the day. And then put that into a grind and uh, mass produce it. And you could call it Aristotle's the golden bean. Mm. Wow, mm. uh you have thought about that, Taylor. And is there such low security at your at your shop where you could, you know, kill somebody and then drag them through the store without anyone asking any questions? I mean Well that's just how Raleigh works. People do not care about that. I uh, well I mean Raleigh's Raleigh's kind of up and coming as far as like caring about murder. Yeah, so, sorry, before they're, they're slowly getting there. We're still we're slowly getting there, but we're still kind of uh we're still kind of on the we're on the the upswing for that one. Uh, no, I mean as long as uh, I mean I I mean I'll just say I was looking I had access to security, but if someone were to offer me a, a sizable amount of money or just a decent amount of money or I don't know a gift card, like I'd probably be inclined to look the other way. Hmm. Fascinating. That's what I'm talking about. Detective stories allow you to delve into the motivations behind hot people. What turns a person into a killer? Typically involves one of two things. Either money or romance. Because either someone's cheating on somebody, or someone has someone I love, or they found a way of making money. I can make money by killing them. Mm. Usually one of two motives that turns normal people into killers. It's interesting investigation of the psyche of people. Beyond that, it could be interesting investigation of the psyche of abnormal people. I think Chuck Holmes is a lot of those characters who are just, they're weird people, and you explore this abnormal psychology. People just don't have the same view of right and wrong as us. Because I think the motive is a huge part of that, but I think you're absolutely right there. Well, I have at least one other thing myself, um, and it is detective stories give us a microcosm of justice. Batman. Yeah, Batman. Or anything like that. In the same episode, you see someone die, and the killer be tracked down and brought to justice by the end. And that kind of helps us humans be kind of relate to that mentality of death's inevitable, most of us are going to die someday, at least you two will, I probably will. Wait, what? Steven's probably going to die at least three more times by the time we're done with this show. Yeah, he keeps dying. Yeah, he dies a lot, but he seems to be immortal in that one timeline. Oh, in the Wasteland timeline? Yeah, the Wasteland timeline. He's immortal. He has been texting me from an unregistered number. Yeah. Steven's weird. Most people are going to die. I mean, we have that, uh, but in detective stories, when people die... Oh, hold on, hold on. Wait, <laughs> wait what? Was, was, what? Was, what? Uh, yeah, that, that, that sensation. Oh, I'm going to die someday. But, uh, oh. Darn it. Yeah, like that. You know what? Checks out. I've been there. But at least in detective stories, we see like... Justice will be done to the death. Like, our death will... At least if someone kills us, someone will be taken care of. At least there are stories, there might be some justice in the world. This small story. The bad guy almost very never gets away in the detective stories. You guys think off the top of your head, a detective story where the bad guy gets away in the end. Does Game of Thrones count? No. Then, no, I would say, I think you're right. I think that um, justice always does find a way in the end. And, and it gives a very high view of humanity and a high view of our, our criminal detectives. But or our vigilantes. But also the same amount of very low view of humanity, because mm-hmm. no one ever the people are killers if they have one thing trigger them. Yeah. Like, find out someone cheats on you, you'll probably turn into a raving murderer. It kind of shows both dark and light side of humanity right there. Kind of like a, um, what's the, what's the movie that Christian Bale's in? American Psycho. Batman. Yep. Well, also well, Batman. He's also in Batman. <laughs> and we think Batman a lot in this episode. Uh, he is the world's greatest detective. It is true. No, American Psycho is very much that way. 
This mm. kind of shows how the nuances of society eventually pressure this man to break because he has no more identity. Mm. You know, even the, the smallest thing of like a slight color change on a business card that is supposedly better than his pushes him over the edge to desire to murder this person. Yeah. Oh, question, question though on that topic though. Yeah. What would you say about the movie Seven? What about it? The it movie? is. What? You guys made a good movie? Or well, what? I mean, like, what we're talking about in the, yeah. like, in the, this topic. I mean, like, technically, I mean, so it is a detective story. Mm-hmm. And it technically, they, I mean, like, yeah, they get the guy in the end, mm-hmm. but it's very unsatisfying in the way where it's like, he does win. Because, like, yeah, because he completes Brad, his, he completes his He circle. does get all seven things, yeah. Yeah, Brad Freeman becomes Wrath. And, what I'm saying, like, uh, you, Brad Freeman and then Morgan, Morgan, Morgan Pitt can't stop him. It is, like, one of the, it's, yeah, it's a type of story where, like, yes, you get the bad guy, but you don't feel like there's any justice that happened. You just feel like, wow, that just, you know. And, and Silence of the Lambs with Hannibal Lecter. There's kind of a... The bad guy yeah. sort of mm-hmm. gets away in the end of that one. Yeah, I think there, there's some exception. Like, the bad guy gets away. But at the same time, he doesn't escape and no one ever finds out he did it. Either he still gets killed in the end, like in Seven. Sure. Or where Hannibal, like, basically his life's still ruined by the end in some way. Yeah, or at least, like, they they're find still out aware that, that he yeah. is the one responsible for it. Yeah. They like just he, don't know where he is. Yeah, like, so he's going to be living on the run. And there is some, like... Because I think it still shows, like... Pure justice isn't done. There's still terrible things happen. Mm. He's still won against Brad Freeman and Morgan Pitch has to sit there and watch them. But mm. you still got to see the murderer get what he's coming to him. Transitioning to the game. Why do people love detective games? So we'll sorry, you, Taylor. What do you think is the lore of a detective role-playing game? Oh, I mean, so I mean, you mean like the draw? Yeah, the draw, like, why does someone play it? Yeah. Oh, because it gives people that chance to immerse themselves in that, that world and mm-hmm. that possibility. So they have a, they play a character who has skills and abilities to solve these mysteries. Whereas, like, other than that, you're pretty much just stuck either, like, reading or watching. You actually get to live it in games like this. Yeah, and earlier you had mentioned, um, Brandon, you had mentioned that when people watch it on TV, they're already, as an external viewer, they're already given bits and pieces of information that allow them to kind of know where the story is going. Whereas when you're playing a detective game, you are the detective. You have none of that to begin with. You have to chase down leads and do your research and eventually stumble upon or discover these trails which connect the clues. I like that. Yeah, I was reading somewhere recently that the best way to make detective games is it's not about the evidence, it's about the interpretation of the evidence. You basically give the players the evidence. It's there, they can look for it and find it. It's how the players interpret the evidence that makes a really cool story. It's cool, you found this bloody piece of glass in the corner there. But what does that show you? What does that tell you? Or I think we played your detective game did once, Taylor. Mm-hmm. We found a, a guy's notebook with some names in it. And we had to determine where to go next. Did we go to the bar because of that? Did we go to uh, this hotel where you might have bought a lady of the night? Yeah, I went to a few places. I mean, the the funnest part about that leading that game was actually I took a detail that I just kind of threw in as kind of like just like world building, mm-hmm. and you put so much importance on it, mm-hmm. but there was really there was nothing about it yep. <laughs> that happens. was important for that game. Well, that I had to, so I was like, well, I guess no, it would lead into this. So I, I had to make that like a kind of a central plot yep. device for the for the game. Yeah, that that happens a lot of times. And it's, yeah. The fun of being role playing games is. The characters can drive the story with their interpretation. Mm-hmm. Isn't this preset start to finish? They're going to solve the crime. It's how they're going to do it, though. Yeah. That's the interesting thing. That's why we enjoy it. It's the, the logic behind it. Well, because I think the, the the fun part about that one specifically was that I tried to make multiple ways to try to catch the person y'all were looking for. So mm-hmm. There wasn't just one set way, and you had to make sure mm-hmm. like you stumbled across this one series of clues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There were multiple ways you could have found out, and that would have basically taken you to the killer from different angles. So you would have come in either knowing one list of things or another list of things, or, or et cetera. It was kind of up to y'all. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of be you, you have all this piece of evidence, and it's a varied story with the same ending, 
But you get to have that, what's the story like? Any other final comments on why they might enjoy Detective Games? I think it's just fun to put, I mean, I said it earlier, but to put the puzzle together, like, everybody's played, everybody's probably played The Legend of Zelda to some extent, and a lot of... If you're a robot human being, you have. And and a lot of of what that game is, is uh, puzzles. Mm -hmm. Not, you know, putting the pieces where they need to be, but solving this puzzle to get to... Uh, the next stage or what have you. And there's something fun and engaging about that that makes your mind think in a way that maybe on a day-to-day basis it normally won't. You get to flex that mind muscle right there. Yeah, the the brain brawn. Brain brawn, mind muscle. <laughs> Cerebral strength. I can't give any more than that. Sorry. We got the three and we're out. The mental molding. No, I'm not going to give you that one, Devin. <laughs> but let's move on to the final section of these topics and discuss if you're a GM running a detective game, how do you keep the detective feel going? Taylor, start us off some. How, if you were a GM running a detective game, how would you keep the feel of a detective game? What are some elements you would suggest people do? My, my advice would probably be always try to keep it to a way where the players feel like they don't have control. Mm-hmm. Like, they keep trying to acquire it and then take it away from them again. Either put in something like a list of clues or scenarios that they don't quite understand or don't quite get, make them think that this the situation that they're trying to solve is unsolvable or out of their control. Um, and that kind of keeps, kind of spurs it on going. Because if it's too easy and it's mm-hmm. literally just like checking off boxes one yeah. thing after another, it's it's just it's playing a point-and-click game. No, I like that a lot. Because I think, you said this kind of similar with other games, that the cool thing a GM... It's the one time you can be really mean to people, and it's the best thing you do for them. In detective games, you have to make them feel stupid for a bit. You have to make your players feel stupid. But your end goal is for them to feel really smart at the end. Because I just like, if it's an easy mystery, I don't feel smart because I did that. But if I solve a really hard mystery, I feel really accomplished. I feel like I did something now. So you got to make them start off feeling kind of stupid, like you don't know what's going on. Oh, yeah. Do you have anything else? Um, I've never had the pleasure to GM a mystery game. But from what I understand of them, uh, from what I've experienced playing them, your mind pop muscle, culture, yeah, yeah uh, flexing that mind muscle, I would, um, I would have a pot of coffee brewed and hot mm-hmm. per people or okay. per person playing. A pot per person. Pot per person. Okay. Because detectives are always drinking coffee. They're always mm-hmm. pulling the late nights, never mm-hmm. sleeping. Yep. And at least one pack of cigarettes. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because detectives are always smoking because they got to ease the stress. They need the caffeine to keep them alert and awake. Yeah. But they need the cigarettes to take the edge off because it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's a very stressful job. So are you, are you recommending that all mm-hmm. listeners smoke cigarettes whenever they play these games? I am not saying that they need are to. Are you recommending that they do it all the time? I am not saying that they need to. I am simply saying that it would immerse yourself. <laughs> it should be an option. It, it should be an option. Cool, cool. Don't, don't throw am, the baby out with the bathwater. I am thoroughly enjoying this image of you leading this murder mystery game and everyone around the table with a pot of coffee and a carton of cigarettes just hotboxing the apartment. Yeah, yeah you got to make sure to turn off the uh, yeah. the fire alarm. <laughs> but kind of with that material, material component, Devin, I think one thing when I played with Caleb that I enjoyed is you give us little notepads and pencils. Isn't that kind of add to like the thing of like, I'm taking notes when someone talks, like, I write down what they said. I take detective notes here and there. Like, it instantly got me in the mode of being a detective. It's true. It actually came in handy. One, like, once or twice, if people actually, like, went back and, yeah. like, because of something I wrote down, they remembered something in a scenario that came up later. Yeah. Because it, it, when it's about was, um, putting together the pieces of a puzzle, yeah. Yeah, it's all about having notes. And I was a really proud game father. <laughs> yeah, I think I think having no, like getting your players to take notes is a huge part of making them detectives. Because most detectives take notes; yep. they're not Sean Spencer just kind of bumbling their way through the mystery. They're usually taking slow, dedicated time. But yeah, but he has like an extra sensory like perception going yeah, on. Yeah, he is psychic, so that's why he stores his notes. <laughs> and on that, because on that note, like another thing, like maybe it might be a little I don't know, maybe like a hardcore idea to try, but. 
I like with the notepad thing we did, I didn't really, I felt like I didn't really have to do it, but oftentimes, like, especially when you're leading just like kind of standard like fantasy games, yeah, um, players are always forgetting details. And that's just mm-hmm. to be expected because they're not actually living in the world, but yeah, a game master is usually reminding them of little details like names, places, etc. Yeah. that mm-hmm. go on. But for murder mysteries, I would encourage you just to not. If they don't remember, or if they're like, I don't remember the name of that, it's like, well, that sucks. Like, yeah, <laughs> you should that, probably go try to figure out what that was and then yeah. come back. I, I'm actually, I agree with you on that one, Taylor. Like, the one time you should withhold information. Yeah. Just, if like, you don't remember, like, you're the detective. You gotta find that out. Cause that's, that's literally the point of the game is remembering details. Yeah. I like that. So I think that's about all the time we have today. So next time we're gonna go into a whole other switching topics. And Taylor's gonna rejoin us mm-hmm. for Western Night or Day. Whenever you listen to it, it's Western that point in time. Yeehaw. We're gonna talk, yeah, Yeehaw, the Wild West, Revolvers, Humbleweeds. That's it. That's- cowboys are, talk about cowboys. Cow people. Yes. 21st, Cow 21st century guys. You're right. I don't be racist or sexist. <laughs> racist. <laughs> but we are, uh, we're gonna do that next time. Make sure to join us. Devin, final words of wisdom today? So normally I like to leave the the listeners with a uh, final word of wisdom, but I kind of feel like today I need to end it with another one of my secrets. Okay, let's oh, hear a secret from you, Devin. So, one more secret just to leave you all with. Brandon here, everybody. So, what Devin said during this time, I absolutely cannot allow to be on the internet. It would bring his whole family so much shame that he might not ever podcast with me again, and I would miss that. So, I'm sorry you can't hear it, but at least now I can hear how we respond to it. Huh! You know, Devin... <laughs> I never thought of it that way. <laughs> I didn't know you were like that. Huh. Well, now you know more about Devin than you ever did before. Have a great day, everybody. <laughs> no.